morning, church. We're going to worship in our different homes right now, but together. I'm going to read from Psalm 103 before we sing. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, and who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to bless the Lord through song. Let's pray. God, we bless your holy name. We thank you for all of your many blessings. We have so many reasons to praise you and so many reasons to bless your name, even in the midst of these trials that we are facing right now, in the midst of the trial of being separated on Sunday mornings. We bless your name for you are good. Hello, everybody. My name is Jeremy. I'm the pastor at Crosshaven Church, and I just want to let you know that on behalf of Crosshaven, we are all in support of you. We're right behind you. We're in this thing together. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to let you know that you're in our thoughts and our prayers. So let me say a prayer of blessing for you today. Lord God, we do pray for all those who are able to watch this today. And we pray for all of our congregations in our community that we would unite together as brothers and sisters in Christ in support of one another and cheering each other on. And Lord, we pray for your blessing to be upon uh, each person here watching today. We pray for your, your blessings and we pray for your peace that passes all understanding, God. For those who are going through hard times, we pray for your, your hand of blessing. For those who have sickness, we pray for your hand of healing. And for each person here today, Lord, we just pray for your blessing and your peace to walk uh, right alongside us as we go through this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless. Thanks, Jeremy, for that encouraging word in your prayer. I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that some pastors in the area have talked about doing is basically having each pastor record uh, a short encouraging word to be shared with other churches to show the, um, the unity that the churches have during this time that we're uh, standing with one another and that there truly is one body of Christ. So you heard from uh, Pastor Jeremy today uh, at Crosshaven and I appreciate him doing that. Um, can you all guess where I'm at? Because I'm actually in the church somewhere. And uh, most of you, I'd say the vast majority of you, have never been in this place before. And I'd say the vast majority of you probably never will be in this place before. But if you think you know, I'd throw it in the comment section. I'd be interested to see who actually does know where I'm at. I know a couple of you do, but that's probably uh, about it. All right, <clears throat> today we're going to get into the Word. We're still looking at 1 Thessalonians. Turn to 1 Thessalonians with me. Paul picks up from where he's uh, been speaking previously. I want to start in uh, verse 3 where he says this, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. 
but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, God, that we do stand in solidarity and in unity with the other churches in the St. Charles area. We thank you for the faithful pastors that you've blessed many of those churches with. May they continue to seek you. May they continue to serve you. May they be, continue to be faithful witnesses during this time. Bless the preaching of your word today and uh, all of those pulpits across St. Charles and Missouri, uh, this nation and this world. God, continue to be with us during this time as we're separated, as we can't see one another physically, as we can't have fellowship. But Lord, we can have fellowship with you and we can be with you, we can seek you, and we can do something like this, or at least gives us uh, a little taste of, of church, God. So bless our time, we pray, amen. So there's three types of motives and attitudes that Paul is addressing here that I want us to look at today. Uh, and we need to be careful of these things when it comes to ourselves and what we're doing. <clears throat> Paul is telling the Thessalonians here, that, um, hey, this isn't us. This is not us. This isn't who we are. This is not how we've been, and, and this isn't how we've behaved. So he's going to point to three areas <clears throat> where they have been above reproach. So we're going to look at each of these three. The first one is this, <clears throat> and it's called flattery or the flatterer. In verse 5 he says, For we never came with words of flattery. We never came with words of flattery. <clears throat> and Paul tells the Corinthians uh, a similar thing. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, he's talking about his ministry to them. And in verse 2, he picks it up. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. In both places, Paul is careful to emphasize to his readers that he was not this great rhetorician or orator who was trying to convince them of something using smooth words. Trying to convince them of something by using flattering words. <clears throat> Aristotle distinguishes between friends and flatterers. And this is what he says. The man who always joins in the pleasures of his companions, if he sets out to be pleasant for no ulterior motive, is obsequious. If he does so for the sake of getting something by it in the shape of money or money's worth, he is a flatterer. So if there's no ulterior motive, I mean, that's a friend, right? But someone who has ulterior motive, who's trying to, to do something, who's trying to flatter you with words, kind of puff you up, I mean, they, they're trying to get something out of you. So you have the flatterer. The word is kolox in the Greek. It means excessive or insincere praise. 
usually done to further that person's interests. The flatterer. So this person uh, uses flattery to gain some type of advantage for himself or herself. <clears throat> he trades on the fact that people naturally like to hear things which set them in a favorable light, right? Um, this person is, is usually wanting some type of following or allegiance from others. They want to be well-respected and looked up to, and they're willing to use flattering words to get it. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, like, I mean, I like people to say nice things about me. You know, do you like people to say nice things about you? Well, yeah, people like nice things to be said about them. <clears throat> but when we're complimenting people and we're using words, why are we using them? Flattery is used for personal gain. It has ulterior motives. Uh, this person's not trying to build someone up. If you're complimenting someone, if you're encouraging someone, if you're coming alongside them and, and you're wanting to build them up, uh, that, that's not flattery. That, that's, not, that's not flattery, okay? Because flattery has ulterior motive based on, hey, what can I get out of it? I'm building this person up. I'm speaking something to them so that whether it's right then or down the road, uh, there's going to be a payback for me. And, and, and I'm doing it primarily for my benefit. So flattery is for personal gain and it has ulterior motives. Um, the person's not trying to build up because they're kind, gracious, and loving. Now, there's, there's an ulterior motive that's, that's grounded, let's say, in, in, in selfishness. Here's what Proverbs 26, 28 says. A lying tongue hates its victims. And then listen to this. A flattering mouth works ruin. A flattering mouth works ruin. Why? Well, because it's done in deception. Why else? Because it's done for selfish gain. You know, and God abhors <clears throat> selfishness of any kind. Anytime where there's a root of selfishness, I mean, God is not for that. I mean, he is against that. Elsewhere in Proverbs, in chapter 29, it says this, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Even Jesus was subjected to flattery. There's a, there's a passage in Mark. Turn there real quick. I want you to see it. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians. But in Mark 12... The Pharisees and, and the Herodians come to Jesus. Verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearance, but truly teach the way of God. Now think about that for a second. Do they really believe that? Do the Pharisees really believe that? Do the Herodians really believe that? I mean, you can, there's just like this dripping sarcasm. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to flatter him, you know. We know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are swayed by, you are not swayed by appearances, but you truly teach the way of God. I mean, you can even see it coming through the words that they use. And then they are trying to set him up. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? I mean, they're, they're flattering him and then they're setting him up so that, they can, so that they can zing him. Well, was Paul in any way a flatterer? I mean, think about that for a second. He did not tell the Thessalonians what they wanted to hear. He told the Thessalonians what they needed to hear. The flatterer is in it for themselves and is going to do whatever helps them out. 
okay? Speaking the truth in love does whatever helps out the furtherance of the gospel, whatever brings glory to the Lord. Think back, we looked a couple weeks ago at how Paul and his companions were treated in Philippi. Now there, uh, he could have used flattering words. I mean, he could have been uh, all, all trying to be uh, winsome and, 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 and have ulterior motives. Because, oh, I mean, we got to get the gospel out. No, I mean, you can see how he was treated. Why? Because he wasn't willing to use ulterior motives. He wasn't willing to stoop to deceptive practices for his own gain or for anyone else's. So he spoke the truth in love. And friends, the truth usually isn't very flattering. Not when it comes to talking about our human condition. Not when it comes to talking about our sin. Not when it comes to talking about our standing before God as unbelievers. That's, that's concerning, and that's not flattering in the least. So to go into to Philippi, this unbelieving city, uh, he did and spoke the truth. He walked in the truth. To go into, you know, after Philippi, where does he go? Oh, right down into Thessalonica. What does he do? Oh, man, that, that was so horrible at, at Philippi. We got we to gotta change our approach. All right, but we're, we're going seeker-friendly. Seeker-friendly. We're watering down that message. No. No. He's not using flattery. He's going to speak the truth in love to these people. Why? Because people need the truth spoken in love to them. That's what, that's what is <clears throat> what God is wanting to communicate through Paul to them is not making people feel better about themselves. People seeing the truth for what it is. For the gospel to go forth and be clearly communicated. You can't try to sugarcoat it. You can't try to water it down. You can't try to put like a little red, red bow on it and make it look all pretty. No, it needs to be communicated for what it is. And friends, when you communicate the gospel truthfully and clearly... It is beautiful. It is beautiful. And there doesn't have to be flattery of the person in order to communicate the beauty of the gospel. Are you hearing me? So let's go on. That's the flatterer. And Paul was in no way a flatterer. I mean, he just looked throughout his life. He's not trying to, to flatter people. He could have got himself out of so many jams. But that would not have been faithful to God. And I do want to make one one notice here. It's almost like a side note, but I want you to notice something. When, when Paul's preaching the gospel, when he's sharing with people, I always notice how he's trying to win people to Christ. I mean, I know that sounds basic. I know that sounds obvious, but like he's trying to win people to Christ, but he's not trying to win people uh, to his to his party his old party of the Pharisees. He's not trying to win people to some new uh, Pauline denomination. He's not trying to start some little uh, sect of his own where, you know, it's the church of Paul. In fact, that's what he combats in the first couple chapters of 1 Corinthians. No, he wants to win people to Christ, period. I mean, that's where it starts, but that's really where it ends. It, it, it wasn't Christ and then, and then all these things that you're going to be, um, you got to believe this, 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 like all this laundry list of things. The gospel is a straightforward, simple message that if believed, saves. Now, the other things that we work with people on, that's called discipleship, right? 
And Paul even says, like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We even looked at it a couple weeks ago with 1 Thessalonians when he's telling them that. But I appreciate, and it is a beautiful thing, that when Paul's preaching the gospel, it is the gospel. It's not the gospel and, and all these other things. It's not the gospel and, and, and this particular thing that you got to do. is what It's the gospel. It is the gospel. And that's what Paul was a herald and preacher of, was the gospel. So how do we combat this if we're the flatterer? How do we make sure that we're not? We got to check our motives. Okay, flatter, when you're flattering someone, that, that comes down to motives. Ask yourself, when you make remarks towards someone, are you doing it for their benefit or for your benefit? Are you building up others to be on their good side, to have them as an ally? Or are you doing it because you love them and you want to encourage them and you want to see them flourish in Christ? So that's the first one is the flatterer. The second one is the greedy. The noun form is pleonectes. Pleonectes. Verse 5, he goes on. He says, nor with a pretext for greed. Now that pretext is like almost like a false front. You know, oh, we're here. And, and you could even say that a face mask. I know, you know, we have, you know people are supposed to be wearing those out in public, I guess, when they go to different stores. Some, some stores, you got to have one on to go there. But it's like a false front or a false a false face, <clears throat> almost like a mask that you got on, right? Well, that's that's greed is putting on this front, making everything seem fine when you want more and more and more and more. So what's greed? Greed is insatiable and excessive desire to have more and more money. Okay, insatiable and excessive desire to have more and more money. The greedy person thinks nothing of using another person or another person's property to gain his own selfish ends. It's all about them. It's all about financial gain. And it's all about ill-gotten financial gain. You know, I do some power washing on this on the side. And I was, I was contacted earlier this week via email. Some, someone wanted me to... Um, do a house wash for them to clean the outside of their their house. So started emailing back and forth. Um, I was like, oh, I could just probably get them a quote. You know, you got Google Earth, you can kind of see everything. You can look at square footage. So I was asking them some just basic questions that I need to know to give them an accurate quote. And so we're going back and forth a couple times, and I just I was kind of like, uh, you know, he gave me the square footage, and then I checked that against the the county records, and it was it was off by a lot. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, maybe he just typed some numbers wrong. Um, his his the the email just wasn't the greatest English. So I was like, oh, you know, I mean, some people just can't write emails very well. That's fine. So we're we're going back and forth, and we're going back and forth, and um, I, I give him the price, and you know, he accepts it right away, and he's like, I, I want to pay uh, right away, right now with. With, uh, with a credit card. I was like, man, I wish all my customers could be like that. <laughs> but I was like, it was just kind of odd. I'm like, how could he rip me off? If I send him an invoice and he pays like my credit card, like how could he rip me off? I mean, I, I, get, I guess I could do the work, right? And then he could like do a charge back on the credit card. But I'm like, I'm chewing on that, but I'm like, I'm just gonna throw him a, a little curve just to see how he responds. And I'm like, no, let's just, I'll just get a check from you after I, I, I do after I do the work, I'll just pick it up that day, just slip it under the mat if you're not home. He's like, no, 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 no that, 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 uh, that really won't work. Um, I, we gotta do this one. And I'm like, uh, now I'm kind of feeling like something's weird. And 
and he's kind of like, are, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling even kind of odder. And I, I call Andrea over. I'm like, would you just read through this and see what you think? And then finally, like the last email comes and it's like, you know, we're going to, we'll do this. And, and, uh, and the, and the owner, I, I owe them some money. I owe them like $10,000. So I'm going to write the check for like 10,000 more dollars. And then, and then you can just give it to them. I'm like, what? Like this, this, this house wash is just a couple hundred bucks and all of a sudden like 10,000. And I'm like, okay. So it's like a scam, obviously. So I'm like, man, I was kind of, I was kind of frustrated because one, I was excited. I had, you know, an upcoming job Two, I had spent a lot of time kind of going back and forth, answering this guy's questions, explaining the process and everything. Three, I was, I was like, dude, he tried to scam me. Like, that's not cool. That's, that's greedy. Right. Um, I actually had no temptation to email him back some nasty thing. Actually, what the Lord did was was really give me a heart for the guy. I figured he's probably not doing this from inside the U.S. because he'd already probably been caught. Um, and he's probably not doing it in some other country that has a good setup in their country. So it's probably some third world or second world country where he, he's got a setup where, you know, the police just don't have the resources to crack down on stuff like that. So I was thinking, like, what's this guy's access to the gospel? I mean, you know, what's his access to the gospel? Maybe there is no access to the gospel. Maybe he's never even heard of the gospel. So I just replied, and it was it was really gracious. And I, I just shared I shared the gospel with him, and I was like, man, I, I I only wish you good things. I want you to to prosper, but I want you to do it in the right way. And the, and the way you're doing it, that's stealing from people, and God calls that sin, and that's wrong. Uh, the good news is, is that God provided a way so you don't have to receive punishment from Him. And I, I just gave Him a short gospel and and uh, and said, you know, it would it would be really awesome if uh, one day uh, when I'm in heaven, I, I see you there too because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I just, you know, signed my name and hit send. And that was a few days ago. I haven't heard back, but it's my prayer that He, he probably when people figure out that. It's a scam. They probably send him mean, nasty, rude emails back if they send anything back. And it's my hope and prayer. Pray for him as well. Yeah, I'm sure the name he gave me wasn't even his name. Was that it will weigh, his sin will weigh on his heart. And his sin will weigh him down to the point that he realizes he needs to do something about it. That his sin is real. And that he truly does need forgiveness. And it comes only through Jesus so be praying for for my friend, <clears throat> but that that's greed. You know what what drives people to do that? That, that I mean that's greed. It's a desire for ill-gotten gain. He's trying to gain something, a large amount of it, um, wrongfully. And here's the thing: it's not merely the desire to possess more than one has, but to possess more than one ought to have. Like we 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 can have good uh, people that you know, want to work hard and they want to gain things and, and, and they want to bless people with it. And, and maybe they want a little bit bigger house for different reasons. And maybe they want to upgrade their cars. We have to check our motives with that stuff. But those things in and of themselves are necessarily wrong. It's when we get to the point we want to possess more than we ought to have. We want to, we want to get to a place where we get that without having to work for it. That ill-gotten gain. Uh, where we're greedy and we're grabbing as much and as much and as much as, as we can. You know, you put your hand in the cookie jar and, and, and you put two hands in there and bring it all out and keep it for yourself. I have a friend who does uh, construction work and he did a small job years ago for an elderly lady. 
and he finishes the job. He picks up the check. The job was for 750 bucks. That's not much when it comes to construction, but if for $750, he starts to walk away. He looks down at the check. She had written it out for $7,500. $7,500. So he goes back there and she's like, no, that's what I thought we agreed to. He's like, no, 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 you don't, like, it, it was $750, and, and if you're going to write checks to anybody else, like, you need to let me look at them first, because it, it, you're going to get ripped off, right? People uh, try to take advantage of people in that situation. My friend could have walked away with $7,500. Now, let me ask you a question. Would that have been greedy for my friend to take it? I mean, she actually thought that that was the agreement was $7,500. Would that have been ill-gotten gain? I'd say yes. I'd say yes, because that would be taking advantage of someone with your own interests in mind, not that other person's interests. We have to be careful if, if, we're, if we're working with people, if we're ministering to people, if we're helping people, we have to be careful to make sure. This is why Philippians emphasizes put others' interests first. If you're doing that, then you, you can't cash that check for $7,500. You just can't. You can't put that other person's interest first and cash that check. It's just not possible. But, but God commands us in Philippians, put others' interests above your own. Consider others' interests and what's best for them. How can you help them? How can you love them? How can you minister to them? Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. I was finishing up a job a couple weeks ago doing some concrete work and, and some ceiling for um, a, a couple. And um, I was explaining how I had a different job where I was doing similar ceiling but not the same. And I, I just kind of described what I did and when I was what that was other job was was and I could see running through her mind she's like well, why didn't why didn't you do that for us too why didn't you do that why didn't you use that process for us because that seems like that would have helped us out and what I explained to her was look what the product I put on your concrete was the best product for your concrete I actually could have put both products on but you didn't need that first product and you would have just been wasting your money and I would have been taking and and taking money from you that I didn't need to be taking so I didn't even bother mentioning that listen to me if I would have told these people to do it, they would have used both of the products. And it, to me, it would have been ill-gotten gain because they're trusting me for my expertise and trusting that what I'm telling them is accurate, reliable, and in their best interests. And so if I would have put this first product down, which is fine, that's what I normally do, and then put the second product, they wouldn't have known any different. But I knew that that was not best for their setup, that that first product wouldn't have benefited the type of concrete they had. So, I mean, what did it cost me? Well, it didn't really cost me anything, but I could have made an extra $500 in labor off of it. It would have been wrong, but I could have done that. But here's the thing, that's ill-gotten gain. And better to have a good name. Listen, I'm not talking about a good name with this customer. I'm not talking about a good name with some little lady who writes a check for $7,500. I'm talking about a good name with the Lord, friends. A good name with the Lord. I mean, in one sense, yes, you want to have a good reputation with people, but, but who gives a rip about what people think if the Lord does not think highly of you? If your name has been tarnished because of how you've acted, how you deal 
with your business transactions, how you handle yourself with around others. Like I'm more concerned about what God thinks about my name. I'm more concerned about his interaction with me when it comes to me having to stand before him and account for how I handled myself. That That's the good name that I want to have, right? I mean, because the Lord, he's the one that's that's seeing it all. Listen, this this concept of greed is so serious that Paul lists it in what we call the prohibition lists in the New Testament. So when he says, uh, these people won't inherit the kingdom of God, and then he lists it off. Uh, you know, I actually appreciate that God is pretty clear in his word. Hey, these are the type of people that aren't getting in. I mean, if you're if this is characteristic of your lifestyle, sorry. Um, you obviously really haven't trusted in me. I mean, think about it. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 6. He says this in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Some people are deceived on this, right? People are deceived. I mean, it it, it just couldn't be clearer in Scripture. And he's warned people, don't be deceived. This is what he says. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty clear. And then, this is important. Look what he says. And such were some of you. Notice the past tense. Such were some of you. And then, look at this beautiful picture that Paul gives us. But you were washed You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen? Like, dude, that's amazing. That's beautiful. That is glorious. So Paul is very serious when he's talking about this topic of greed. That's where he mentions it in verse 10, nor thieves, nor the greedy. They're not getting in. They're not getting in. Well, you know, oh, oh, does, does certain sins keep us out? No, certain sins just reveal the state of our heart has not been changed. So if we're, we're continually doing those things, obviously God has not come into our hearts. Obviously we've not surrendered our lives to Christ. Obviously we're not living a life that's pleasing to God. Obviously we haven't trusted Jesus because something would look a little bit different with who we are. So he's just pointing that out. He's just pointing that out. You, you, you can't but trust in Christ and have your life changed. I mean, think about that. Most important decision in the world, it, it, it changes you. It changes you. So that's the second one is the greedy. The third is the glory seekers. He says in verse 6, Nor did we seek glory from people. That's the Greek word doxa. Now in this place, the glory has the idea of fame, honor, or prestige. And this is what many rhetoricians and orators in Paul's day sought out. Um, think of them, it's going to sound kind of odd, but they were basically like the, the music rock stars and legends of today, along with the Hollywood actors and actresses. And that's kind of weird to think of like, oh, to, you know, as we think of maybe the super smart people, the philosophers philosophers today and like, eh, uh, it's kind of hard for us to make that connection but that's the way it worked um, back in the New Testament times it was the rhetoricians and orators who had all the fame and popularity if there was 
Instagram or Twitter back then, these people would have had the largest number of followers. For some people, hear me out. For some people, fame and prestige is more important than money. Fame and prestige is more important than money. They value the influence and power that such fame and prestige bring. Now think of the celebrity actors and actresses. Think of some of the professional athletes. I mean, to some of them, their fame and prestige is more important to them than their money. They have influence and they want to wield it. That's why they have a million followers on Instagram, 500,000 followers on Twitter. That's why they're tweeting it out all the time. That's why they're taking little selfies and posting pictures of themselves all quarantined up in their house. What about us? Like, what are we seeking? Because we gotta be careful that, that we're not seeking the accolades of men. Because I, can, I, I think we can seek the accolades of men. One, I, can, I think there's one way we can do it. We can seek the accolades of men by taking the easy way. Oh, I don't wanna upset the apple cart. I don't wanna rock the boat. Okay, I just, I just want everyone happy with me. I want everyone fine. I want everyone at peace. So we actually won't do things, we won't say things, because we want people to still, to still like us, we want still the accolades. Okay, so that's one path, but there's another path, and that's when we grab and we grab and we grab and we grab and we grab for more influence, for more prestige. I mean, haven't you met people like that? I mean, there's people like that even in churches. You know, they want everyone to think they're the most informed, the most knowledgeable, the most educated on any and every subject. I mean, they want to be, they want to be well-liked. They want people to look up to them. They want people to respect them. And, and you get that even in churches. Listen, if that's you, and parents, maybe you need to, maybe you need to mute it, okay? Uh, but but you, you just need to, you need to shut your mouth. You need to shut your mouth. I mean that in a loving way. But listen, when, when you're trying to speak, when you're trying to talk, um, it's not glorifying to God when you're trying to do it for a glory seeker. When you're trying to act like that, when you're trying to seek the glory for yourself. It's embarrassing when you, when you, uh, you have this bloated sense of knowledge. And, 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 and here's the thing. Uh, there is always going to be someone who knows more than you. Always. Always. And do you know how many times I've been in situations where someone thinks they're an expert on, on this Bible verse or this Greek word and I'm just listening to them and I'm just thinking, I, I, I'm not sure they know what they're talking about. Um, I, mean, I mean, to be clear, listen, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm not an expert in many areas if any area, but the area I've tried to do my best to show myself that I've studied to be approved, as Second Timothy talks about, is the word and what it says and what it means. So, you know, I, I mean, as a pastor, it's like I got a little radar, right? Because I'm, one, I'm looking out for my church. Like, it's a little radar, you know? Like the little Doppler thing, you know? Bloop, 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 right? So, I mean, when someone starts talking about something with the word, you know, my, my little radar is always going, right? And sometimes, like, I'm like, eh, I'm not sure, but, you know, it starts going, bloop, 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 right? Because, like, that, that little storm's coming. I'm like, nah, that, that's not accurate. 
that's not right. So we want to be careful that whatever we represent, we know, and we actually do know. Uh, and, and trust me, I, I, I've been guilty of it. I remember my early days of salvation. Uh, I remember getting in arguments with one of my friends. I don't know why this one in particular sticks in my mind. Probably because it's so embarrassing and, and stupid and humiliating. But I got in an argument with one of my friends about what time McDonald's opened up in the morning. Now, today we would just pull out our app and, and see what time, and we didn't have that back then. We didn't even have the internet, okay? We got in this huge argument. Oh, it it's opens at, you know, 6.30. No, it opens at 7. We're just going back. No, this is why it opens at 6. I mean, it's just, you know, and the Lord really rebuked me later. Like, that That was dumb. That was stupid. Like, who even cares what time McDonald's, even if you're right, is it, you got to be there for something? Breakfast in the morning? But note for a second, when we're talking about glorious seekers, I want you to consider Paul for a moment. I mean, consider his life. Like, what was his name? I mean, what was his name? I mean, I kind of give it away. It was Paul, right? Um, what was his title? I mean, did he have a title? He was an, an apostle, right? And that's how he identifies himself a number of times. Um, if you think about it, that was not a prestigious title back then. I mean, it was really almost one that, that Jesus kind of made, made up as because it, it just comes from a verb like to send. So apostle just means sent ones. You know, so he's like, I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one. I'm a sent one. I'm a sent one, right? Um, it, it came uh, over time. And today we think, wow, an apostle, man. Uh, because that's more of a title for us today. It wasn't really so much back then. It was a description of what Paul was called to do. But Paul's Paul, how did he identify himself? It was Paul. I mean, plain and simple. Now, some say his name was changed. I, I just got to correct that right now. That's not accurate. Okay? Like, oh, he was Saul, but then he became Paul. No. Not true. Okay? Let me clear that record up because I've heard different people say that. Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul is his Greek name. You're like, no, 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 Pastor. I'm, I'm no. Just read through Acts. In Acts 13, it says Paul, who was also called Saul. And the first part of Acts. What's he called? Saul, Saul, Saul. Why? Because he's reaching out to the Jews. And, and that's where you, you meet him on. He wouldn't even dream about getting near Gentiles. He's Saul, right? He's Saul, 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 Saul. Then he gets saved, right? And then you see this transition as his ministry shifts to the Gentiles. It's Paul. But it's, it's Saul and Paul. I mean, it, it's equal. Okay, does God change people's names in the Old Testament? Yeah, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, right? I mean, he does that. But in this particular case, he did not do that with Paul slash Saul. Here's the thing. Paul didn't, Paul didn't care what people called him. He wasn't after a title. Okay? Rabbi Paul, no. Teacher Paul, no. Expert in the law, Paul, Paul no. Paul didn't care. Look at Philippians 3. You can see you can see his attitude on this. I actually like sometimes when you can tell 
Paul's really wanting to make a point. And he, and he really wants to make a point in Philippians 3. He says this in verse 3, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I mean, he's combating this group of Judaizers and he's having to correct the some bad theology that's crept into the Philippians and he's a little frustrated. Why? Because they're getting messed up by bad doctrine. He should be frustrated. So he's like, look, uh, they want to put confidence in the flesh. Oh, you want to talk about putting confidence in the flesh? Well, let, let me tell you about putting confidence in the flesh. And this is what he says. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. I mean, so he... He's like, oh, I can walk out my credentials too. But then notice what he says. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, he had the honor. He had the prestige. He had the accolades. He's like, whatever I had, I count as loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. And that, I mean, that needs to be our attitude too. We're, we're not glory seekers. We're not looking at, we're not out to, to make a name for ourselves. We're, we're out to make a name for, for King Jesus, okay? So whatever we got, whatever initials we might have before our name, whatever initials we might have after our, I mean, that doesn't matter. All right? When, when, it, when it's compared to Christ, like all that stuff is lost, all right? It, it doesn't matter. When it comes to Christ and him crucified, when it comes to Christ and, and him being resurrected from the dead, when it comes to Christ and your sins, uh, he, he doesn't care about your bachelors, about your masters, about your doctor. He doesn't care about that stuff. He cares about the condition of your heart. He cares about your, your pride or your humility that you display towards him. Where's that at? Those things aren't quantified in pieces of paper that you tack up on a wall. But that's what God's concerned about. He's concerned about the condition of your heart. Friends, the gospel, listen to me, the gospel is most effective. The gospel is most effective when our life matches the gospel truths we speak. And you're like, oh, oh, oh Pastor, how, I mean, how do you make the gospel more or less effective? Well, I agree with you in one sense. The gospel is the gospel is the gospel. But friends, if you're living a life that is contrary to the gospel, and then you're trying to preach the gospel, that is, that is not going to work. People can spot phoniness. People can spot a fake. If you want to make the gospel sweet and pleasing, if you want that aroma that Corinthians talks about, it starts with you. It starts with how you're living your life inside your house and outside your house. You know, and some people, I mean, all of us have... You know, no temptation is easy except what is common to man. That's what 1 Corinthians 10 talks about, right? And I think each person, you know, we, we have, uh, you might call them thorns in the flesh, different struggles maybe that we have, right? One person might be more prone to this. Or one person might be more prone to that. One person might struggle with this. One person might have to fight against that. But, yeah, I mean, just take something like anger for a second. You know? Think about anger. Some of you might have an anger problem. But but how is it 
that, that you can control that out in public. You can control that here at church, but then, but then you can't control it towards your spouse or towards your children. I mean, if you can control it in one area, I mean, you, you, by extension, you should be able to control it in all the areas, right? I mean, that's that's self-control. I understand that. And, and those are fits of anger that the scriptures talk about. But what if we want to be transformed, we got to make sure that that transformation is public and private. Now, we're all guilty of that in some ways, but some of us are more guilty of it than others. And what people see publicly, God ought to be seeing privately. We'll get to it a little bit next week where Paul even appeals here, God is witness. God is witness. I mean, God's seen it all, public or private. And we want to make sure that we are making the gospel as sweet and pleasing as possible. We don't want to be the stumbling block. Did you hear me? The gospel can, has been, and will continue to be, for some people, a stumbling block. But let's not be the stumbling block ourselves. That means we need, we need to be crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20. That means we need the, the power of God coming into us to transform us. Like you got the Spirit of God. That's the earnest deposit that Ephesians talks about. You got an earnest deposit of this amazing thing that God has done for you. And the Spirit, God says, is the earnest deposit. The down payment for what he's going to do. And you have the Spirit of God living inside you. If you got the Spirit of God living inside you, then you can walk by the Spirit of God. You can live by the Spirit of God. You can have the fruit of the Spirit of God. Why? Because that fruit is the Spirit, is the one producing it inside of you. So you can have that self-control. You can lay off the weeds of the flesh. It is possible. You can be freed. You can lay off those weeds. The deeds of darkness can be torn asunder can be thrashed apart, the chains can be broken, and you can have the fruit of the Spirit because you have the Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you can't have the fruit. You need the Spirit to have the fruit. Okay, he's like the, the root, he's like the tree, right? Gotta have the Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and each of us should wanna be at a place where God's producing that fruit. He's producing that fruit. He's producing that fruit. He's producing that fruit. He's producing that fruit. Fruitful. Fruitful for him, right? So whatever areas that we've talked about with glory, with with greed, I mean, th these different things, the, the pretext for greed. Look back at 1 Thessalonians. The words of flattery. The pretext for greed, the glory seek, whatever might be a struggle for us. But we gotta deal with it. We gotta we gotta lay that down. We gotta slay the beast, so to speak, and we gotta repent. That's the that's probably the churchy word. We gotta repent. Which one of these three might might you unfortunately relate to in some way? 
it, we, we, we all have our, our propensities in negative ways, our propensity to sin. Which one of these three do we, we, we got to be careful of? Maybe more than one of the three for, for, for some of you. I'm not sure. But Paul is saying, look, we can stand before God. He is our witness. And, and he says, look in verse 10, holy, righteous, and blameless. Man, that's serious stuff, friends. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to stand before God, holy, righteous, and blameless. That's possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's possible. It says no other name, Acts 4, no other name in heaven can we be saved. No other name. And Jesus can come and do for you life. What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He can give you life. Eternal life. The zdoe life. Not the bios, the biology life. You've got that. You're living. You're breathing. He can give you the zdoe, the eternal life that's his to give. That comes through faith. Faith in Christ. Faith in what he did for you. Will you surrender to him? Will you humble yourself to say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Lord, I, I want you in my life. Lord, I want forgiveness of my sins. I realize it only comes to you. Lord, I've messed up. Please help me. I trust in you. Think about that. Like you want to trust in Jesus. You're saying, I'm going to give over control to you. I'm going to trust you to do what I know I can't do. I can't save myself. Jesus, save me. Friends, if you, if you believe that, the Bible says in John 1, for all who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. God the Father will adopt you into his family. Right now, if you don't believe, you're in the kingdom of darkness. But he will take you from that kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of light. That's his kingdom, the kingdom of light. That's available for you. So let's repent of these things. And make it right with the Lord. Let's get on the path of righteousness and the path of truth for His glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray you would do your work in us and through us, that you would be glorified by our deeds, by our actions, by our thoughts, by our words. Work in us and through us, Lord. Forgive us where we're falling short. Let us turn away from these things any of these things that we might be, any of these things that we might be guilty of, we have been at, at various points in our lives. Of each one of them, let us at least acknowledge that, Father, of our sin before you, and not walk like the Pharisees, not walk like the Sadducees, but realize our complete and utter dependence on you. That we've turned away from evil and wicked ways and turned to you, the one true living God. We, let, we love you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for coming down to this earth for us. Amen.